as human beings, sometimes we get caught up in the weeds and in the details, but sometimes really what we need is to back off from the details a little bit and then re-grasp the fundamentals, rethink through the fundamentals because the fundamentals are the important part to really understand all the other stuff is tangential. It's important. It's good. We talk about it. We have talked about it. We will talk about it. But sometimes it's important to take steps back and look at the basics. So today we're talking about three basic melody writing tips. Let's talk about it. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I believe this is episode 138, and I, as always, am your host, Joseph Vidala. Today, we're talking about three basic melody writing tips. If you're new here, or if you're new to songwriting, or just thinking about diving into songwriting but haven't quite taken the dive yet, or if you've been here for a while, or you've been a songwriter for a while and you just want something to sort of kickstart your creativity, be sure to check out my free guide on 10 different ways to start writing a song. It's at songwritertheory.com slash free guide because if you are a person that starts writing a song from the same standpoint all the time, eventually your songs are probably going to start to sound the same. We do not want to do that. We do want to develop a sound. We want to have an identity as an artist, yes, but we don't want to be that artist that two EPs in or two albums in, people are like, I feel like I've heard the same song 10 to 20 times. We don't want that. We want to be exploratory in our creativity. We want to do some different things, and the heart of that is really to start writing songs from different standpoints, using different sounds, starting with different parts of the song to write from. So if you're interested in that, check it out at songwritertheory.com slash free guide. Link will be in the description. It's in the description of all the podcasts. Let's talk about melody writing. Tip number one. We've talked about this one before for sure. And it's that improvisation is at the heart of melody writing. And really what I should say is that improvisation is at the start of melody writing. Because the point I want to make here is I think most of us probably write melodies from a standpoint where we improvise to some extent. I think a lot of people tend to sort of improvise by, you know, let's say you did start with a guitar chord progression and you're sort of strumming your chords, and then you sort of vocalize a little bit, right? Maybe you pick oohs, maybe you're doing mmms, maybe you're doing some some ahs, or, you know, maybe you're doing las. Um, but but that, that that's a huge tendency, right? Is for us to sort of just sing along until we find something we like. And I think that that is a fine way to do it. But there's more to it than that. Because that is a form of improvisation, right? First, let's establish, like, yes, that is a form of improvisation. You are improving your vocal as you play. But a couple challenges I want to add here, and if you've been here before, you've heard some of these, but one is, if you can record a basic version of you doing, you know, whether that's a guitar strumming pattern or, or a piano part, whatever it is you have written, Try recording that 
even if it's just on your phone. It doesn't need to be high quality. And then only improving <laughs> the melody. Now, the reason for this is because all of us, even if we're very good at playing and singing at the same time, there's some level of distraction, especially if it's a more complex part, right? Or you're not used to playing it yet or whatever it might be. It's going to be easier to just fully concentrate your mind on the improvisation of your melody or just improving in general to eventually discover a melody or a starting place for a melody, which is going to be a part of the point we're making here. It's helpful if you're only having to think about the one thing. You don't want to have to have part of your mind thinking about how do I play this piano riff, how do, how do I play this guitar part, and the other part of your mind somewhat distracted trying to come up with the melody, especially when like the melody is arguably the single most important part of a song, um, which I say begrudgingly because the reality is as much as I'm a huge lyrics person and I'm a person that says throw the song in the trash if the lyrics aren't any good because that's literally what the song's about, right? Like that's like saying, oh, the movie was good, but the plot was terrible. Like, but that nope, that's not a thing. Uh, and that's how I feel about lyrics. Um, so in this, so there's no shade towards lyrics, but the reality is that when people listen to a song, on average, pe people's experience with a song is overwhelmingly going to be due to the melody. And there are other elements too, right? The, the overall sound of the song, you know, uh, there are other things as well. But generally, it's not going to be the chord progression. And, and sadly, uh, the lyrics, it depends on the person. Uh, but what pretty much everybody agrees on is how important melody is, right? They want something that they're going to get stuck in their head or is, is they're going to hum as they walk down the street or as they get out of the car and go to work. That's the part that's going to bring them back, right? That's the part that people sing along to the chorus, that sort of thing. So it's a very important part of your song. So you don't want to be distracted while you're imp improving to discover this. So an easy way to do that is just record whatever you have written so far. Again, it can just be on your cell phone app, right? There's, I think every cell phone has a sound recorder. You can just do it there and just play it over and over and improv. The other thing is, I've talked about this before, especially if you're a pianist, I highly recommend uh, using your piano to come up with a vocal melody. I personally think it's, it's, it's easier to come up with more interesting melodies uh, because the nature of you visualize the keys, right? You can visualize the melody a little bit more than what, what you can do with your, your vocals. Even if you have perfect pitch, I imagine that it's easier to visualize still when you can physically see the notes on the piano. This can work, work for guitar as well, especially if you're very competent at guitar and good at soloing and stuff. Um, but here's the second part. Don't, because this is where people get in trouble. I think... It can be fine if you do force yourself to, say, strum the guitar and improv a melody and you discover something that's good. Um, but you really need to workshop it from there. So that's why I say imp improvisation is at the heart of melody writing, right? It's, it's the beginning and it's the start of melody writing. And at the end of the day, it's, it's the biggest part of melody writing. But you really should be adjusting as well, or at least testing different adjustments as well to the melody, right? If you just hum something and you're like, oh, that's pretty good. Like that, that's, well, 
workshop it more, right? Figure out like, oh, what, what if I try this slight variation on this melody? So think of the improv phase as sort of exploring an island to find the best spot to set up camp if you're, you know, cast away, right, on this island all by yourself. Figure out the best place, right? Do you want to be on top of a cliff? Is that uh, maybe in a cave, right? Where's the safe place? Where's the, the place that will protect you from the storm? Stuff like that. And then the workshopping stage is actually building the camp, right? And designing how the camp is made so that it protects you from the panthers or wh- whatever it is that's outside that's going to eat you. Um, or protect you from the weather that's going to come. Or maybe in a spot so that if you, you know, hear or you can hear or see if a ship comes by so that you can light the fire so that they know, oh my gosh, there's somebody to rescue, you know, whatever it is. That's the workshopping phase, right? It's fine tuning it. So allow improvisation to be the heart of melody writing. That's good. It is the heart of melody writing. Remember that. And it doesn't need to be voice improv either, right? It can, it can be, it can be piano. It can be guitar. It can be whatever instrument you're most comfortable with. Or, or maybe not even, right? Like maybe, you played flute back in high school and for whatever reason flute is still the instrument that inspires you to the best melodies right or maybe it'll just inspire you to different sounding melodies so it's worth pulling it out once in a while which is sort of a callback to what we talked about last week check out that episode if you haven't um, talking about how constraints can actually help you with your creativity um so improvisation is at the heart of of melody writing that's the easiest one here So improv, but then workshop it. Number two, steps and leaps. This is the thing I see as most common in music that drives me crazy. Partially because it just seems lazy to me and partially because I really don't think it's that hard to create an interesting melody. And a large part of an interesting melody is to not just have steps. So if you're wondering what what the heck steps and leaps are, a step is just when you're going up or down by a single note within whatever key you're in, right? So if you're in the key of D, going from E to F sharp, yes, that's technically, you know, a, a whole tone, and you know it's two two half steps um but that but that's that's what a step is right that, so step meaning from one note to the next note in the context of that key just going up and down by little bits right and there are so many songs that over commit to steps seemingly everything is a step and when they do a leap which is basically defined as anything that's not a step so anything where it's, you know, a third or more, basically just not a second, right? Not the next note. It has to skip at least one note. And, you know, the, the exotic leap in the song, right, is like a third. Ooh. And enough of us, that's necessarily a bad thing, right? And if you do it intentionally for certain reason, it, it, it can be fine. But what we don't want is to have melody after melody that's all step after step after step. So as a general rule, steps tend to be conversational and relatable and leaps attract attention, right? So if you think about it, 
in a song where there's a big leap up or down, that's where it like catches your attention, right? If it lost you for a bit and then they belt a high note, that's when you're like, oh, hello, right? So steps, though, are very conversational because that's generally how we talk, right? So if you, if you were to sort of put a melody on how I'm talking, hopefully it's not monotone, right? But I, I go up and I go down a little bit, right? So I, I get more excited during a certain part of the sentence and then, you know, maybe I say something else that goes down a little bit. But it's very, it's very step, right? You usually don't go from this to this, right? Like that, that's, that probably got your attention though, right? Um, and that, that's what leaps are for. For more than that, but but that is one of the things leaps are for, right? Is that it attracts attention, creates intrigue. So, if you do all steps all the time, that's like one step better than monotone, right? Because the way I'm talking now is how a normal person talks, hopefully. Um, but if I talk like this, and this is how I talked for the whole podcast, which is my impression of monotone. Um, then you probably would have left uh, 13 minutes ago, which is at the beginning of the podcast. So with steps in music, it's essentially the equivalent of monotone almost because usually, I mean, you move somewhere in your melodies, right? So it's just not that interesting. You're likely to bore people eventually. But also you don't want all leaps all the time, right? So what I'm not saying here is leaps are better than steps. You need both. Leaps all the time are like that exhausting morning person, uh, which if you are that person, forgive me. But as a night person, I'm that person that, you know, if, I, if, I, if I'm at work at 730 and there's that one person who's just too dang happy uh, and, and chipper and just 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 like they just want to talk and, and, and they're they're just excited to be alive. Right. And I'm the kind of person that's like, don't preferably don't talk to me until 9 30 10 <laughs> uh, depends what I wake up but um and you know I, I'm not a I like to think I'm not a total grump it's not like I'm you know like I'm gonna take my claws out if 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 somebody does but but generally speaking I those those people tend to rub me the wrong way um and it starts to irritate me so uh, regardless, you know, maybe, maybe you're the opposite, right? You're a morning person and you're the person that's when you're tired at night and that night person at 10 o'clock is still like ready to go. And you're like, what on earth? Like, how do you come on? Like, shut up. Right. So maybe you're that person, but so all leaps all the time, right? Is that, that exhausting person that's just too much, right? If, if you've ever felt like somebody's just too much, that's what all leaps all the time are. And if you haven't ever felt like somebody's too much, then that probably means you are too much, um, which is fine. You know, we, we need we need people of all types. And uh, and, you know, often the people that are too much, um, quote unquote, are are the type of people that um, bring that relentless positivity that sometimes maybe goes too far. But but they do light up rooms. So if you're one of those people, shout out to you. Um, I think sometimes you are underappreciated. So there you go. Admittedly, I'm absolutely one of the people who probably generally underappreciates you, but um, keep doing what you're doing. Good. Good talk. So, steps and leaps. You want some of both, right? All leaps all the time is obnoxious and too much. All steps all the time is going to be boring. You got to mix it up. 
you know, think about it as like step, 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 leap, step, 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 leap, step, leap, right? You, you want sort of steps with leaps to break it up is sort of how you should think about it. And really actually think about this, right? Like visualize your melody, sing your melody, play the piano or guitar on your mel- for your melody. Figure out, like, do you have too many steps? Do you not have any leaps? You know, throwing in a leap by like a fourth or a fifth or a sixth can really just increase the, the, the intrigue and interest of your song. It makes a huge difference. I mean, some songs, right, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, right, that's an octave leap. Whole octave. Right, so I think you can leap by like a fourth or a fifth, uh, and and all of them, you know, have a sort of different character to them. Uh, so so play around with a bunch of them, and you know, if if you found yourself not super satisfied with your melodies recently, this small thing, just attention to the steps and leaps, uh, can can could change a melody that you are otherwise like ah, I don't it, I don't know, it's just not doing it for me, uh, and make it something really special. So. Be sure to be thinking through steps and leaps. Number three, three of three, final one. Tension and release. So tension and release is almost just music in general. It's almost stories in general, right? Like even if you think about movies, like a good like a movie is tension and release, right? If it's tension the whole movie, it's exhausting or it's a thriller, um, so it kind of works for thrillers, I guess. Um, it depends. Even, even that they tend to give you little reprieves, right? Like it's usually not an hour and a half of stress straight. It's usually like 20 minutes stress of, uh, of stress straight. They give you like five minute break, stuff like that. Um, I say as a person who hasn't watched that many thrillers, so maybe I'm totally wrong. If so, forgive me. Um, but most movies, right, are sort of tension and release. There's there's this big battle, and then you know there's characters talking, and and, and character building, right? And then there's this tension, like two characters start like fighting. Uh, maybe not physically, but you know their their relationship is strained or whatever. Uh, but then at some point that gets resolved, right? And they have to work together. So there's always this tension and release. Because if you don't give the release, um, it's just stressful, right? It's just, it's just it's just like pointless. It's like, well, what's like, there's no development, right? There needs to be some release here. Um, and if it's just all release, if you will, like then there's no interest, right? It's just all predictable. So think about it like a, a good plot in a movie, Right. I, th- I think if we were really boiled down, what makes a good plot in a movie or a book, right? So any story, um, you don't want it to be predictable, but you also don't want it to be so unexpected that it doesn't really make sense, right? So there's there's a fine line there because you want what happens to make sense so that when it happens, you're like, oh, that makes sense, even if you're surprised that it happened, Right? You don't want something where you're surprised that it happened and you're like, that doesn't make sense that it happened because then you have The Last Jedi or really the entire sequel trilogy of Star Wars um, where it's just like, what? what? Um, Really just eight, though, for the specific thing, right? Like the main criticism of that movie is Ryan Johnson was too obsessed with subverting people's expectations to actually A, write a good story 
and B, write a story that had any semblance of, of cohesiveness with the, what was previously established, right? Of all people, Luke Skywalker, who literally his psychopathic murdering father, who like murdered millions in the galaxy or more, even unto death, he was willing to believe that his father would come back to the light. And that same character is somebody who's going to murder his nephew in his sleep because he's drawn to the dark side? Like, how, what? What? Like, come on, Ryan. Come on. Anyway, um, I digress. Point is that the reason that there's so many of us that hate that Right. Is it doesn't so many things in the movie just felt like it was the rug was pulled under us for the sake of it, not because it was what was right for the characters and the story. And it didn't necessarily make sense. It didn't fit with with what was previously established. Um, so you could like see the hand of the writer. Right. And the writing in general is is this illusion. Right. Of we know somebody wrote it, but we don't want to. It, it should feel like it's real, right? It should feel like it really is a galaxy far, far away. It should feel really like, you know, this this book trilogy or whatever it has really happened. So that's the interesting line we have to tread. And, and the same thing is true of music. We don't want it to be predictable, but we also don't want it to be so unexpected that it just doesn't make sense. And it's gluttonous almost. And it's like subversion, subversion, subversion. Like, well, sometimes subversion is just you doing something that doesn't make sense, right? Sometimes there needs to be something that is predictable in the sense that like at some point, if you know a character, some things they do are going to be predictable in the sense that like, you know, the character, right? It's like, like in some ways my wife is predictable to me, right? Is that a bad thing? No, it's because her character is consistent. She's a real human being. Um, and you know, same for me, obviously, and everybody else on the planet, basically. So find the balance between the unexpected and the inevitable. That's what this is. Tension and release. Finding the balance between the unexpected and the inevitable. So tension how do we create tension? Well, one of the main ways is by imperfect consonants. So basically what that means is tension is basically caused by you singing a note. And specifically, if it's on a downbeat, so like beat one or three in four, four time or in or on beat one in three, four time, because three, four time has only one downbeat. It's the first beat. Um, so it's one, two, three, one, two, three, and, and one and uh, four, four is one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, right? Um, also, five, four tends to be one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, by the way. So that's one and uh, four, I guess. Um, anyway, so for notes that you hold for a longer period of time or are on downbeats or both, specifically... You can add some dissonance as opposed to consonants, right? So imperfect consonants have some level of dissonance by having the melodic note not be just one of the notes in the chord. So to take something really simple, right? That's like a C major chord. A C major chord is a C, an E, and a G. So if on top of that, and you can try this experiment, when you go home, you know, if, if you're a guitarist, just play a C chord, open C chord, whatever. If you're a pianist, you know, play C chord, uh, C, E, G again. So 
try singing a C with the C chord, that's going to be perfectly consonant. It's going to sound just right. Uh, and it's also going to sound just right if you sing an E or a G, because those are also contained in the chord. But then play for yourself an A note for a second, or an F, or something just not in that chord. And then sing that note, and then play the chord. And listen to how that sounds. That's going to be filled with some tension, because there's some dissonance or imperfect consonance there. And that is sort of the heart of how you can create some tension. If all of the notes of your melody or all of the downbeat notes of your melody or most important notes of your melody, right? So not the passing tones, which for the record, passing tones are just like notes you kind of go over quickly, not notes you stay on for a while. So notes you hold are sort of the more important notes. Passing notes, you know, if passing notes are not within the chord, I mean, they're always not within the chord usually. Like that's, that's fine, but that's not, that doesn't really affect whether there's tension or not. It's generally the main notes in the melody, the ones that are held for a longer period of time. The one is on the downbeats usually. Uh, not always, to be clear. Uh, and obviously a lot of melodies are syncopated, blah, 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 blah. But main takeaway here, Notes that you hold for a long time. If you want to make it really simple, the notes that you hold, right? Maybe the end of a line, maybe that third note that you hold for like, you know, it's a half note, right? You just hold it for longer. If those notes are not within the chord, that's going to add some tension. And that can be a great thing. Uh, there's other ways too. For example, higher notes tend to be more tense, right? So if you're belting a tenor high C, with a C chord at the end of a song, there's going to be some tension to that just because you're belting a really high note. Uh, if you're a, a, a male, if, if if you're female, then tenor high C is just not not that high for you. Um, so so different note for you, right? But um, you know, and your voice type's going to matter too, right? If you're a baritone singing a tenor high C, that's going to be epic. If you're a tenor, maybe even higher. You know, it, it depends. Um, or or for a baritone, right? Like you, you an F sharp might be epic. Uh, you don't even need to go to tenor high C, but a tenor might need to go even higher to to reach that point where there's sort of that tension in 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 in, in that high note, because um, high is relative, right? The obvious thing to look at there is just male versus female, right? If a male and female sings the exact same note, it's 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 always going to be either something that's like really low for for the female. Um, or, or really, really high for the male and just sort of normal for the female, right? Um, so the other side to release, right? Release is often found in perfect consonants. It's the idea of, you know, most songs end on a one chord, right? So if, if the song's in the key of C major, then C major chord tends to be the, the, what the song ends on. And usually too, the, the note that, you know, you sing to resolve the song is like a C. So it's like a C note being sung in a C major chord in the key of C major. Perfect consonants, right? Like this is just, it's just, it just screams the song is over, everything is resolved. Um, and often there's some release too in lower notes. So if you sing, you know, a melody that sort of goes up, um, if you sing a melody that sort of goes up, Right? There's sort of, there's not much tension there, but now it feels more resolved, right? Because it sort of went down and rested. Uh, so that's a little more, um, what's the word? N not, not as clear as, say, the, the tension and release from the standpoint of 
uh, whether it's in the chord or not, which I'll illustrate really quickly. I said uh, C with a C major chord and um, an A with an A major chord, so I'll play it on the keyboard real quick just to illustrate. So that is just C with a C major. That is an A with a C major. All right, so there's some tension there. It kind of wants to go like this. So now it resolves to the G, which is in the C major chord, and now it has consonants, right? So that, that causes tension. Right, so I went A, F, and then finally resolved to G, which is in that C major chord, or A, F, E, right? And now it feels resolved. So that's really the basis of tension and release. So go try these three tips with your melodies. Again, improvisation is the heart of it, but be sure to do some workshopping as well. Don't be lazy about your melodies. Uh, I understand it can be easy to do that. Right, a part of that is that melody is one of the few things you can just improvise, right? You can't really improvise lyrics, right? The lyrics probably take months most of the time, right? Lyrics take a while. It's a slog or whatever that word, a slog. Is that right? I don't know. But, um, and then make sure you use steps and leaps. Right, so that leap gives you the, grabs your attention, right? If, it, if the whole song is just... Okay, it's starting to get boring. Right, like, oh, okay, now I have my attention, right? So mix in those leaps, then tension and release, which again, we want to make it really basic. Tension tends to get higher with higher notes, and it tends to get higher when the, the note in the melody doesn't exactly fit with the chord that is being played along with it, uh, and then releases the opposite of that, right? It's, it is the melody note matching the chord and also tends to be found in lower notes. Um, certainly the much more important part of this and the much more almost universally true part of this is the consonants versus dissonance. The high note, low note thing really depends um, it's just another helpful, uh, m more or less true, more often than not, but it's going to depend. Um, so try those three. Let me know if it's helpful. If you haven't already, be sure to grab the free guide. Ten different ways to start writing a song to get even more inspired and figure out new ways to write songs so that you don't get stuck in a creative box. It's at songwritertheory.com slash free guide. Thank you for being a listener. I appreciate every single one of you who have listened. Some of you who have left kind reviews on iTunes. Some of you who have, have said some really amazing things in emails to me. Uh, as, as you know, I do respond to every single email. Uh, someday there might be too many for that to be true, but that day has not happened yet, so I do still get the opportunity and I'm able to respond to every email and I really enjoy doing that. I enjoy hearing from all of you. It, it really inspires me to, you know, that, that what, what we're doing here is 
worth doing and that, you know, as I sit here on a Sunday night choosing to teach songwriting instead of, you know, watching Scrubs for the third time or watching The Office for the sixth time, <laughs> whatever it is, um, that, that uh, is, you know, it's doing something. Uh, or, or, you know, me talking about songwriting instead of just me songwriting right now. Um, uh, makes it makes it worth it when I when I I see emails from you or or iTunes reviews that that talk about how helpful it is. Um, uh, one of you emailed me recently that it's even helped with with some um, s- sort of lifting out of depression type stuff, um, which you know I I know I'm sure I'm a tiny 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 part of that. Uh, certainly take no credit for that, but just just that somebody would say something like that. Or, or talk about, um, feel comfortable um, talking to me about sort of the, that that side of things. And, you know, I, I think most of us as songwriters have um, what I call depressive tendencies. Like most creatives are not happy-go-lucky people, right? We, we, we tend to sort of see, see the, the cup half full. Uh, not to say that I, I think every songwriter deals with with, you know, full on depression, right? I, I wouldn't say that. I would not disrespect those who um, do deal with real depression uh, by saying that. Um, but I, I think we all at least are on more of that side of things than we are on the uh, obnoxiously happy, if you will. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with obnoxiously happy, obviously. Um, but uh, anyway, so the, the point is that all of you who reach out and stuff like that, like it really moves me and, and, and I really appreciate it. So to all of you, thank you. And if you haven't, be sure to leave a review on iTunes. <laughs> you knew this was coming, right? But Hey, if you haven't, and at this point you're rolling your eyes, like, Ugh, all right, I'm going to skip to the end of this podcast. The main meat of the podcast over is just doing the whole, Hey, leave a review thing. Well, if you have left a review and now you're rolling your eyes about it, totally cool. I get it. Um, but for all the rest of you, <laughs> leave a review, right? Just uh, it's the best. If you've been looking for a way to help me out, or if you feel like, hey, I've gotten a lot of value out of this. I've been listening to the podcast the last month, the last five months, the last year, years, right? Um, this is the small, small, small thing, right? Five minutes of your time, maybe. Just Google Songwriter Theory iTunes. I get it if you don't listen on iTunes. That's okay. You don't have to listen to it on iTunes to leave an iTunes review. I don't listen to podcasts on iTunes because I am a Pixel person. I have Google. I don't like Apple. So um, <laughs> Apple just like degraded like songwriter theory and in, in their podcast because they heard. But um, anyway, point is very, very easy, simple. If you can leave a five-star review so other people can find this so that we can help more people learn to songwrite. That is the number one way that you can give back just a little if you do appreciate this podcast. So thank you to all of you who already have done that. And all your kind reviews are amazing. All of the emails are amazing. I appreciate all of you. And hey, I appreciate you just for listening. Even if you never leave a review, I appreciate you too. So thank you for being somebody who wants to learn songwriting. Thank you for songwriting because we need more 
quality songwriters who care about the craft in this world. So go out this week, do some songwriting. Remember these three tips to write some killer melodies or maybe to, you know, go back and rewrite some of your melodies and make them better. So hopefully you're happier with them. Be sure to do that. Let me know how it goes. My email's joseph at songwritertheory.com if you do not already know that. And be sure to pick up that free guide. Link in the description. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you next week.